Welcome to Rushmore, a podcast where two talking heads discuss their favorite four of any given subject. I'm your host, Makai Albert, and I'm joined by my good friend and partner in crime, Josh Gallegos. Josh, how's it going today? Going well, enjoying Martin Luther King Jr. Day off. Spent most of the morning with my toddler, which was a blessing and a curse, as always. Um, And really enjoying these moments, for sure. And then we... uh, Got some time as a whole family at the end of the night. My in-laws are in town as of today, officially. They're moving down here um, from California. So they made okay. the trek across the country today. And that was a exciting thing. Looking forward to having and them you nearby. Wel- you welcome them to sunny Florida. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they've been out here, you know, ever since we moved out here. They've been, they've been back and forth. And um, it took having a child to get them to officially move. But... Um, they have joined the many, many others who have left in an exodus away from California and have gone to different parts of the country. So for them, it was here and I know it's going to be an adjustment for them and they are not all set up just yet. So like we handed off to them a, um, inflatable mattress because they don't even have their pods yet from California. So they are still in that adjustment period, but literally this time last year, they were talking about it as a concept and then, like, halfway through the spring in 2023, they, they decided, let's do it, put their house on the market, and it, like, got swept up, and they were like, oh, well, we got to go. <laughs> so, pretty crazy. It was like, I expected it to happen, like, in, in, like, five years, you know, not within a year, as when they had first started talking about it. So, it was pretty crazy. Um, but I'm super grateful, too. I got another kid coming, so very much looking forward to built-in babysitters <laughs> it sounds terrible absolutely uh, like i'm just gonna abuse their their presence but no no um, that's what grandma and grandpa's uh job is it's in the job description so that's what they're absolutely. there for yeah and they want to and, and part of it too is like you know um sharing the love a little bit and they get to be around their grandchild which is a huge plus for them um karina's uh their firstborn so this is their first grandchild. They have two more on the way. Karina and I are having another kiddo, obviously, I mentioned. And then um, her sister is also having uh, a boy. So two other boys coming in. So Adeline's going to be their only granddaughter. But because of that, very, very special. Very different from my side of the family. My side of the family, my dad and mom have, at this point, I think nine grandchildren. I think Adeline is the ninth. Um if I'm counting right, yeah. Um, actually, she's the eighth out of nine. There was one more after her. And then, obviously, John's going to be the tenth. So, like, diminishing returns on some level? Like, I know they wouldn't say that, but, <laughs> like, there's nothing like the first one. You know what I mean? So, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, anyway, good day, for sure. Been having a good day. How about you? Uh, I have had a not as exciting day as that. Uh, a pretty uneventful on my end. Uh, finally beat the boss in a video game I have been working for th- through for quite some time, uh, as Josh can attest. Um, and then just went um, furniture shopping with my roommate. So hopefully going to get some improvements in the house today. Uh, nice. Other than that, pretty uneventful MLK day for us. What were you guys uh, after a- for like furniture pieces? Um, he is looking at a couch and a love seat. I think we're going to try and avoid a sectional just because that limits nice. a little bit of the flexibility, what we can do with in the space. 
um, but currently uh, that's what we're in the market for. So trying to add a little bit more furniture, uh, as Josh can attest, if you've been to my house, we have a singular couch, which um, does the job, but is not the most conducive to uh, larger entertainment groups. So, which is good because most of the time when people come to my house, uh, Josh can also attest to this, uh, we usually end up spending time around the dinner table eating food and playing games. So usually uh, at my place, it's more centered around the dinner table anyways. So... Uh, that's a good thing, but it's nice to have a little bit more flexibility with, with furniture. So we are looking forward to adding a little bit more pieces in our space so that hopefully our guests can be a little bit more comfortable in the future. Yeah, there you go. And I have to ask, um, how, how did you feel? Don't No spoilers, but how did you feel about the ending to Star Wars Survivor? Uh, yes, yeah, so yeah, I did not mention that, Star Wars Survivor, the game I finished today. Um, for those who have not finished it yet, do not know the ending, um, what are you doing with your life? And I'm just I'm just kidding. Um, the ending, I felt like it felt a little bit flat compared to mm. Fallen Order. Uh, so I definitely, if I was to uh, put a rush more of those two and compare them together, I definitely would rank Fallen Order a little bit higher. There's just some things with the story arc in Survivor that I was not a fan of. Um, yeah. But overall, a good play. Uh, it was interesting. Um, I definitely spoiled it for myself uh, and saw some of the twists and turns coming on YouTube when I was looking at the game to see if it was going to be worth my time. Uh, but uh, that was one detractor, and so maybe that's one reason why I don't see it as highly as Fallen Order. But overall, a solid game. Uh, never gonna, Never going to dislike a Star Wars game. Anything Star Wars will always get a thumbs up, two thumbs up from me, for sure. Yeah, there you go. Well, for those new uh, to our podcast, which is everyone at this time, <laughs> we are going <laughs> to, uh, exactly, um, the first time for everyone. So there you go, folks. Um, just a little bit about ourselves. We've already revealed a, a good chunk, but um, yeah. uh, we are both school teachers, uh, teach at um, the junior high level. Um, and so that's kind of how Josh and I have actually gotten to know each other is Josh is the savvy vet teaching this newbie the ropes uh, and making sure that the eighth graders predominantly do not cannibalize me. And so uh, we're having a great time getting to know each other and teaching there. Uh, both of us history teachers predominantly. Uh, Josh also teaches Bible and I speech and PE. Um, and so very diverse group here. We have the interest and in shared with history. Definitely, I think Josh would agree that history is definitely the passion, but um, we enjoy the diversity of subjects that we get to teach. Um, I, unlike Josh, do not have the exciting family life as he does, as I am single. Uh, and But I do enjoy uh, a lot of the time that I get to spend uh, with my students and working on things and just, just enjoying the time of life where God has me right now. Uh, Hale, originally from Missouri. We're both in Florida now, uh, but um, just uh, enjoy that area of home and just the Midwestern life um, and just being able to uh, enjoy where God has me at this time. And so that's one big thing that I really enjoy. That's me. I'll let Josh uh, explain his background a little bit more, even though I've stolen a little bit of his thunder. Yeah, no worries. I mean, I, I appreciate because that is our connection um, this year. Uh, uh, Makai coming in with his um, new position here at PCA and the uh, aspects of life that uh, are adjusted because of that. So um, I I don't know if I consider myself a veteran, but I've gone through the ringer a few times there and um, 
am on some end of something, I suppose. So More a veteran uh, than I, buddy. <laughs> sure, I guess, objectively speaking, absolutely. I mean, that's you can't deny that. So, um, But no, I've been very grateful to have been able to hang out with you, to be able to coordinate on eighth grade history and on speech one now we're kind of going separate ways this semester but um it's been a ton of fun uh and i've been very grateful to have you as a friend and getting to know you this last year and looking forward to the future as well and now coordinating on something and um i'm very excited about it so uh again yeah teacher here and and is being very very humble he also has a master's degree so he has <laughs> his uh, he, basically a step away from a PhD, so he's right there. Um, I do not have a master's degree, um, and we both do teach junior high, which is a very special grade to teach, set of grades. Um, actually, I was what just a kind to... word for it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, um, yes, indeed. Um, I was just talking to another teacher about it, and he primarily taught 8th grade and 12th grade, and we were just, we were just catching up a little bit and talking about life and he was thinking back on his time. He's not teaching anymore. And he just said like, man, he's like eighth grade has to be the worst year of people's life. (laughs) And I was like, you know, I think for a lot of people it is. (laughs) And I see that with a lot of my students where it's just, they are, they're going through it. You know, there's a lot of changes happening. There's a lot of, um, coming into who they are that's happening. There's a lot of finding their place in the world, finding out how other people are and some of the facade of childhood. Some of the innocence of childhood is, is fading rapidly in front of them. And so, they're going through a lot themselves and so many of, of course, physical changes on top of that and um, adjusting to newfound attraction to the opposite gender and uh, all the other things that come with puberty. It's just a crazy time for them. Um, they're growing more independent. They're really becoming young adults. And so they are uh, pushing boundaries on what levels they haven't before. And because of that, it's a it's a very unique age because they're they're still impressionable um and they still can be malleable and where they go at this time will really i think on some level define how they'll how they'll spend the next four years of their life in high school um and of course they're still growing that can occur and there's still changes that can occur but they are fashioning who they are in those moments and so it's very important um to as a teacher as a mentor like be aware of that and be careful with that and and do my best not to contribute to it being the worst year of their life while also like helping to invest and in some cases like i i will not see the fruit of it you know but that doesn't mean that i can't plant seeds and so i i really appreciate the opportunity to um actually that's one of the things i've really loved doing and i'm sure on some level you can attest micaiah teaching u.s history because this is the first time that they get to hear a lot of this stuff like they've heard about george washington and thomas edison um but you know they they don't know what granger laws are which is what we're gonna be teaching the next chapter they don't know um that the louisiana purchase was 15 million dollars like they don't know that sort of stuff you know um so like that's that's special because I get to be the ones to communicate that and to give them their first full perspective on the country that I love, um, the country that has lost some of itself and its original vision um, and that is painted in such a bad light today to so many other students um, throughout the country. And I get to be this, this person who in their life right now is giving them their very first major perspective on it, um, at least on a Absolutely. thorough way. 
So I, I appreciate that, that side of it. And then all the other subjects come alongside that too. But, um, it's a tough age, absolutely to teach, but I love it. And so I've been doing it. That's four years of my life. I've been teaching, um, graduated from PCC. I'm from Colorado. So also from the West Midwest, I don't know. I've had people argue and say it's not Midwest. I used to say it was Midwest. Um, I am on the East region. Yeah, I'm on the east side of the mountains, though. Like, I'm not in nah. the mountains, so like, I'm I'm at the foothills of them. So I don't know. I I mean, I get it. I get both sides of it. Um, so I don't know what I call myself. I'm a Coloradoan, as it were. Um, but yeah, love the Rockies. Love love snow. Love love all that stuff that comes with that. Um, and have been here in Florida, missing all of that for however long now. Um, although I do love it here in its own way as well. Um, but yeah, uh, that's me in a nutshell. Got a kid on the way. Got a kid in bed right now. Um, married since 2019. And um, yeah, I'm like 198 pounds. <laughs> I don't know what else you want me to tell you. <laughs> uh, that's me. Excellent, excellent. Well, uh, uh, let's get into the the hike up to the mountains. So this is a segment where Josh and I are kind of give you a taste of what's to come, something that's a related topic with whatever our set subject is. Uh, As you heard at the beginning, our title for this podcast is Rushmore, uh, taking the inspiration for from Mount Rushmore, and essentially how the idea for this podcast came to be is that Josh was joining me for dinner one night and we were just talking about uh, just some random things and the idea of ranking things uh, and just having a top five list is kind of something that people do on the regular Uh, and as we were just sharing a meal we just realized that we're both interested in uh, podcasting. Josh has had a podcast um, currently that's been going on for a while where he covers uh, gaming topics and such things. And I, for those who know me, have been wanting to start a podcast of my own. And so we just kind of mutually agreed, hey, why not do a podcast where we rank things? And we kind of just have fun uh, and discuss things that some people have had thoughts on. Uh, or You may find a topic that you've never thought on or a topic that you have a lot of opinions on. And just providing a venue for us that is just an opportunity for us to rank and discuss certain things that we have come across, um, either in our studies, uh, our teaching, or you know, just our personal enjoyment. And so it's one of those things where we decided to shave it up from the top five. And since we're history teachers and nerds like that, uh, we just make it a top four, taking our inspiration from Mount Rushmore, where there are four famous fa- faces for that. And so we're hiking up the mountain, getting ready for today's episode of top best U.S. presidents. So top four best U.S. presidents, our favorite U.S. presidents that we have had in history. Um, but getting to that point in the related news and topic, hiking up the mountain before we can actually get there, we decided that we would talk about what the kind of the current state of our country is, the presidential election this year. For those listening, obviously, you know, it is 2024 and we are coming up on a presidential election. And if you ask me, a priv- pretty pivotal election uh, and a sort of a crossroads for this country and depending on which direction we're going. So uh, we'll just kick it off right there, Josh, just your thoughts um, on where our country kind of is right now, just what kind of the state of the country is and your own personal thoughts about that. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's a uh, it's a doozy, that's for sure. And I am looking forward to taking uh, opportunities to just chat with you over a bunch of different topics. And I think a list type podcast definitely works in that favor. Watch Mojo kind of being a similar thing, but um, more authentic exactly. than Watch Mojo. That kind of people kind of get a bad feel towards that, yeah. like N- nitty gritty. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I'm excited about that, and um, I, I'm glad that Micaiah went with the Rushmore idea, which is a little bit off beat because it's four instead of five so it's not quite that nice it's not a round number but people you know they like their fives so um it definitely is going to limit us with certain conversations as josh and i have (laughs) already discussed with certain topics it's going to definitely put the clamps on each of us depending on the topic and I like the like it's a, the in between between top three and top five, you know. So there's like that. Oh, okay, one more. It's it's unique, and then it also fits the Rushmore theme. So um, as far as the country this year is concerned, you know, I don't, I, I can't predict the future. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I will say it's insane to me that we are running this Democrat candidate once more, um, just because of the state that the man is in. Um, but I also understand that he is the only one that has defeated the who will likely be forerunner for the Republican Party. And Donald Trump is pretty much set up to, I think this is his to win. Um, I was just listening to Ben Shapiro today, which I haven't been listening so much to uh, right-winger commentary. But just going into this last week, having some extra time off, I decided to check in. Um, but Shapiro was just mentioning, I think Biden's at like a 30 33% approval rating or something like that. Something insane. Um, it's something insanely low, like one of the lowest in presidential history. Yeah, so like that's, and he was saying like, that's not re-election numbers. Like that's not, like there is a very slim chance of him being re-elected, but his opponent has so much hostility and animosity tied to him that you never know, man. Like you never know. Um, and then you've got all the theories and I, I don't, I don't like to get into the, fears and concerns about whether or not elections had been stolen or whether or not there's been finagling i know at the end of the day and this is this is literally what i tell my students is like hey everything's in god's hands you know like i i can stress and worry about whether or not some fraud has happened or whether or not there's been um something unjust that's occurred and i can pray that you know i can i can do my imprecatory prayers and i can ask for god to cast judgment down on them um but at the end of the day like God's in control. So what happens is 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 going to be according to uh, the the way that He has has played things out, and um, because of that, I, I don't I don't really get too involved with the 2020 stuff, and you know that whole mantra that Trump came out. I honestly think he did more harm than good, even in just kind of hammering that home and, and how he's now dealt yeah. with the consequences of that for so long. So to me, it's like, mm-hmm. I'm not even going to think about that side of stuff. And that's kind of, that's and the reason I even bring that up is because I know I have friends that have already told me, and I know people are going to react in this way and be like, the only way Trump doesn't win is if the election is stolen, like as if they cheat, like that's the only way that they win. And it's like, well, I understand why you feel that way. And, and, and I can't say I don't relate to that, but I do still, and maybe it's just because I have to in my own mind or I'm going to lose all hope, but like I do still believe that there is some semblance of due process in this country of like the justice will be served of like if it's if it's something that's going wrong, the truth will come out. Um, 
I have that. Maybe it's faith I shouldn't have just because I can see how the world is and I can see how our government's been. But um, at the end of the day, it's not for me to really, like, get involved <laughs> so like to me it's like i i know for sure trump's gonna get this you know i i'd love for it to be ramaswamy i i think he's awesome um i know a lot of people don't care for him uh him and desantis are very close for me i just like the energy of, of a young uh candidate i i i feel like we could use that quite a bit you know i i honestly think like a, a teddy roosevelt or jfk energy would be really great for this country and um instead we're running geriatrics again so that is what it is next time though but anyway so like for me that's that's part of what's drawn me to him although i do think desantis would make a fantastic president as well but i know it's going to be trump so i'm i'm not i don't know if you are micaiah voting in the primaries um i have as of um the last uh, cycle 2022 um transitioned to being independent so initially and i have voted republican every time that i've been able to in the elections that i have been old enough for um but i'm now at the point where i'm like you know what i i don't need to identify with one or the other yeah that kind of takes me out of the primaries but i also am okay with that and i'm also okay with voting third party if it comes down to it and honestly maybe i will this year i don't know i i, I said that last time and i didn't so i don't know um We'll see, because I do think, I mean, the biggest third-party candidate would be RFK Jr. I do think he's going to do some damage to, honestly, both sides. I think he's going to pull some of the right wing and the left wing. And I'm very curious to see how that ends up playing out. Very much a Ross Perot situation with Clinton and Bush. and um, We'll see what happens this year. If, and, and who knows, maybe something with him ends up falling out and he ends up dropping out of the race or whatever. So really anything can happen. But um, the country's in a precarious spot. It really is. Like, this is going to be very important to the future of not only the country, but the world. Um, the United States, and and I, I do my best not to criticize Biden so so directly because, and I, and I already have called him old and not with it, so I guess it's too late for that. Um, but, like, I, I really just don't think we have been doing well as a country like i think we look very weak on the world stage i think our economy has been in shambles and a lot of that is covid so like i cannot pin all of that on biden no matter how much i desire to um obviously our borders is is a huge mess and that's been a huge mess for a long time so uh, again a president who inherited problems and now we expect to pin all the blame on him like to me that's not necessarily fair um but at the end of the day um, he has produced some of the problems himself, and he has caused um, some of the weakness on the um, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? a foreign policy side. Um, and so our country is in a place where it's it's a dangerous spot. I don't think, honestly, I don't think it's as crucial as it was in 2016 because of how close the liberal establishment got to being like hyper secure for the foreseeable future. And I do think with the victory, then we've, we've caused it to be less sure going into the future, but um, it's still a very important year. And I am nervous depending on how things go, um, how the candidates handle themselves, how the country reacts, everything, um, what may happen even on the outlier of not even the election itself, but just the, culture at large and um some of the circumstances that might arise from it 
Um, but I don't know. And I know at the end of the day that it's all in God's hands and I just need to be focused on him. Um, and I'll, I'll stop talking after this, but I was thinking a lot about the other day, um, the fact that I am bringing kids into this world, you know, and I did myself a disservice. I woke up, this was last week. It was at the start of the week. I think it was on Monday or Wednesday on Tuesday. We had the day off. It was one of the days early on with school. We're getting ready for school. And I have a newsletter that I read every morning. Um, and I realized as I was reading it that this is probably not the good time to read it. So I've adjusted now. I've, I read it in the middle of the day, usually on my lunch break. But um, that morning I was reading and it was just like all this wrap up about 2023. And it was just stressing me out talking about how how bad things were, you know. And that's the problem with news. That it is always painting things in that light. And I could feel myself like getting stressed and like kind of feeling like a little bit of panic. And I was thinking about like, you know, the Bible and the revelation and the end times and, and persecution and, and tribulation. And, and I like, Mm -hmm. my mind was going to all those places. And I was like, I had to calm myself down and I always pray in the morning on the way to school. And like that morning I was praying to God, like, God, please help me to just push all that out of my mind. The future is in your hands. I can focus on that. I know that today I have other things that I need to do. And yes, I am bringing children into this world, but I know that this is still your world. And I know that you still have a perfect plan for me, for them. Um, and that I think part of that plan is to procreate. I think God wants us um, as Christians to continue to um, invest in our futures and invest in our heritage. And just because I think the world is kind of terrible right now doesn't mean that I shouldn't be doing that. Um, Because the world's always been terrible, you know, and there's always been crises and there's always been bad times. And and who am I to say that this is the end times, even though it feels that way a lot? Um, It's just not for me to say. It's just not. Um, It's in God's hands. So I need to focus on the moment, the present, and, and investing in that. And yeah, being cautious for the future and being careful for that and making sure, like, that means that right now I need to train up my children in the way they should go. Um, that's what I'm called to do. Um, and I don't have to worry about, you know, in 60 years when they have Christian gulag set up and, um, um, you know, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't have to think about that. You know, I don't have to worry about that right yeah. now. Um, and, and, yeah. and I know my kids are going to have to perhaps face a world like that. So I got to prepare them. I got to do that part. Um, but I don't have to worry about it and let it stress me out and make me feel like it's all worthless and, and dire and hopeless. So, um, that's kind of my approach this year. Sorry, that was a pretty long mm-hmm. answer on that. <laughs> no, no, I think it's all good, definitely. Um, Josh kind of summed up all, a, a lot of my thoughts. I think the primary, um, I am Republican uh, currently. Um, and <gasps> so I really don't think that there's a lot of um, point in the the primary, really, just because Trump is leading so much. Um, yeah. If I were to vote, I would probably lean DeSantis myself. Okay. Um, just because he's the governor here in Florida. He's done such an excellent job through COVID um, and a lot of other cultural issues. I think he's had his really his finger on the pulse. And that's really where I see the fight is currently is a lot of the cultural issues in our country. Um, you know, whether that be... Uh, I, I don't even really want to get into it just because that's such a wide swath uh, and there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of minefields, which not that I'm afraid to speak out on those things, but that is just a lot of rabbit trails that could get us involved for sure. um, and off topic. But there's just so much going on in society. I, I somewhat agree with you uh, about 2016 being a little bit more consequential than maybe this year in terms of, you know, if Trump hadn't gotten it, then there were so many judicial seats up for 
right. um, for selection that if he had not gotten it, then we've got a big uh, legal and judicial problem then because then we have a liberal uh, presidency likely appointing liberal judges and justices who are going to probably radically shape more quickly um, the direction our country is. But I mean, even now, the reason why I would somewhat... Um, uh, go a different direction than even what you were saying in terms of about this year being kind of consequential is just because they've gotten to the point where they're finding other ways to circumvent the laws mm. and to circumvent the courts to where they're just going to ram those social issues that they care about for so much that that's been the new shift for progressive policy. Um, they're just finding kind of ways to go around that. And so that's just what's concerning to me. Um, the 2020 situation, you know, there's differing thoughts on what all went down there. Definitely, if you are honest and do any kind of reading, there was definitely some sketchy things going on in a couple key swing states. I'm not necessarily in a subscriber to that it was stolen one way or the other, but you definitely can't refute that if you look into it, there was some odd stuff going on. Um, the whole fact still that our... Uh, several key major states do not require voter IDs to vote is still concerning to me when I just saw a blurb today uh, or a couple days ago, somewhere in that time, you know, that France doesn't get a lot right. France is a lot more progressive and liberal than we are, but even France makes sure that they have voter ID required so that they know exactly who's voting and early yeah. voting is very restrictive. And so there's just a lot of things that go on with that that just make me you know, a little cause for pause, I guess you could say, um, with the way things are currently in our country. And just, you did, you did hit the nail on the head in terms of, we can't be scared, you know, the Lord tells us to take no thought for tomorrow. Um, basically, be concerned with the affairs of today. You can prepare, you can, uh, you know, raise your kids the right way, but you can't stress about what's going to happen tomorrow. And for sure, with it relates to Revelation, Revelation just exists solely to outline so that we know what the end is. We don't have to be trying to spot out, you know, what the end is. You know, there was a time when uh, Josh and I were earlier last semester, kind of halfway through, we we're talking about different ideologies during the Second Great Awakening. And there was definitely with the rise of the Millerites uh, became predictors of when the second coming of Christ was going to come. Um, and so you've got, you know, Seventh-day Adventists that are kind of in that yeah. that vein uh, and just people who are trying to predict, oh, when's God going to come back? It's going to be this date and time. No, that's hogwash, you know. It's not, it's not for us to worry about. God gave a record in Revelation so that we know what will happen, not so that we can stress about it and be constantly on the lookout because Christ left us with a charge to be living on earth and to be not necessarily worrying about the next day, just to be worrying about what we are responsible for in the here and now and not to be stressing out about. So there's a lot of comfort in that uh, with the election, but our country is definitely in a bad way. Uh, and definitely it's a difficulty with what's going on at this time. And it's one of those things that we want to make sure that we're doing our due diligence uh, as citizens uh, to take care of the things in our country. But at the end of the day, it really just does uh, rely on God and what he ultimately has, because ultimately he knows what's going to happen to America. Uh, we've been a wonderful country, you know, I think the greatest country on this earth since its existence uh, in terms of a lot of opportunity. Sure, we've gotten a lot of things wrong, but uh, a lot of good has come out of the existence of the United States. Um, and so 
We just pray in the meantime that God continues to persevere us for a little while longer. Uh, yeah. And when this country should fall, if it should fall before the end times, then we just trust that his His will and we will trust him for protection and for guidance and the hard times. And that's basically our job as Christians is to be good testimony uh, there too and to do our due diligence in the meantime and no more no less than that and so yep. that's really all i think we have to say about that um obviously it's gonna heat up as we get closer to november um but right now that does certainly seem to be a trump biden rematch on the way that it is uh, headed towards currently i have in, a question for you go ahead shoot so you said desantis to to me, I love DeSantis because he's a culture culture war fighter, and he he's made a fantastic governor. To me, as a president, I have had some question because he's he's kind of boring. He's like I I describe him as the big toe candidate. He's just kind of like he's important, he's necessary, but he's blah. I don't know. Like to me, like he's never read very well on stage, and on screen and as a like uh i don't want to say firm leader because he's been a very strong leader but i just feel like that sort of person is very very unlikely to win the presidency these days um i mean that's something that biden's always i i you know take this with a grain of salt but that's always been something he's been good at is like nailing the rhetoric nailing the on-screen presence and and people really don't give him enough credit for that but he's always been slick um up until obviously um he started to go into uh dementia <laughs> but um i i mean even him and obviously trump is amazing in that um obama was good in that bush kind of was was not on that same level but he still had a little bit of a swag and i just feel like desantis didn't ever portray that for me and so that was another big yeah. reason why i picked him over ramaswamy in my uh, humble opinion to me it just is more the policies and what you stand for than stage presence i i get stage presence in the cultural era that we live in but to me that's also a little bit of maybe what's wrong with our culture is we're more worried yeah. about you know how does it play to stage rather than what they actually represent uh yeah. desantis is kind of reminiscent of kind of a Reagan to me in terms of he's well-spoken, but like Reagan wasn't, you listen to Reagan's speeches and he had great rhetoric, but in terms of like his actual persona, he wasn't the most invigorating or exciting a person. It was oh, more man, of what he I stood totally for. I totally disagree with you there. Oh, do I you? I mean, yeah, he, I totally well, I guess he, in the sense of he was a comedian, he did have a lot of, he, he definitely actor, has that man. over. Yeah. And you are right they about that, but I mean, he's so, yeah, but I mean, I, so I guess what you're saying is just the 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 kind of the char the charisma that Reagan yeah. had, and he definitely yeah. has that, and that's probably something that DeSantis is lacking. Um, he is. But I mean, no Riz, dude, no Riz, <laughs> no Riz. Um, I don't I don't know. It's just one or of those Al things Riz. where I care Al more Riz. about uh, policy, and my dad's gonna skim me alive for now for bringing Reagan and talking like <laughs> Reagan about that. <laughs> I'm probably gonna eat my own words there, and I'm gonna have to go back and watch some Reagan to make amends. Um, but he definitely did have that. But like I don't know. I just at the end of the day, I it's what have I seen that this person accomplished? What do they stand for? And he is just kind of representative of where I would like America to go. Um, Vivek is great. He's energetic, but there's some things with uh, his economic policy and some of his social issues. I, I don't feel like he's the soundest on. 
um, in terms of, I'd have to do a little bit more research, but there's just some things where he's a little shaky for my liking. And like I, like I led with when I was discussing where the country is, I just really want your social policies to be very clear and sound because sure. I think that's where the fight for our country is right now is in the society and in the, the cultural and societal issues. I think that's where so then the war how is. How did you feel about Trump? And how do you feel about Trump? Trump is like the great exception. Like everything about him should like make me turned off about about voting for him, his past, uh, who he used to run with, what he represented in that. But in terms of like he said all the right things and I think it was kind of one of those things where you take him at his word because of who he's going up against in 2016, you know, with Hillary. Uh, and it was kind of a lesser of two evils for Republicans. And then when you saw how he actually ran his presidency yeah. um, and executing on a lot of the things that he promised, basically restoring us to a time of economic and cultural prosperity, making it to where we were respected on the world stage. It was one of those things where I think he earned the respect. Um, and so I ended up liking him a lot more when he left the office and when he was coming up for re-election in 2020 than when he first came in. I definitely was very hesitant uh, about him in 2016 uh, being my first election that I voted for um, and just concerns there. But he definitely won me over. And I think one of the biggest things was his opponent of pro-life justices and mm -hmm. following through on that, um, being a strong huge, leader huge. on the world stage. And so I mean, huge. that's that's where I totally agree with you on 2016. I mean, we got Roe, man. Exactly, because that's the one thing that Christians can take heart on is that Roe v. Wade gets overturned, and uh, on the national level, it's no longer sanctified, and so now you get states that have the ability to make the decision for themselves. Um, I'd like to see it, obviously, further than that, because as Christians, we see abortion as murder, um, and so you'd like to see a ban on it, but uh, like at to least it's to the point where... Yeah, it, it, but at least it's to the point where now states can actually ban it without it being nationally prohibited because now it's a it's a national right. Roe v. Wade is a, a, a right for people rather than, you know, leaving it up to the states, at least being federalist in that regards, you know, and leaving it up to states' rights. Um, so, it's, so it's a step forward. We're not done fighting. Uh, and obviously, like we both mentioned, we'd like to see it to where it's completely banned uh, for the, the terrible thing, the terrible institution that it is. Uh, but you take your wins. And so I have great respect for him on that stage. Uh, have great respect for him on, like I said, the world stage in terms of that he was able to walk the line of not ticking off anyone to where we we're getting involved in any new wars, really. Um, and things seem to be de-escalating de everywhere. Um, and now you just see where we're at. And it's just like now everything's kind of gone to hell in a handbasket, at least on the world stage. And there's just a lot of stuff popping up and we are not able to do really anything about it because of, you know, the current presidency is not really stalwart on a lot of international issues. And so we're kind of back to being a laughing stock and kind of just, uh, an empty gun. Uh, and then, like I said, on top of all that, then you have the, the economic issues and the economic boom that we had under president Trump. Uh, I can't remember exactly that's the number, but I know that gas was, uh, I know that's the, one of the instant go-to things, but you know, like gas is lingering around $3 right now, and I'm pretty sure it was lingering around $2 when Trump was in office when I was back home, at least where yeah, I was yeah. at. 
Um, and so it's just one of those things where inflation is crazy. And so you just look at everything after he left office and everything is just taking a significant decline. So he really won me over by what he did in office. He was very much uh, the exception of the case in terms of didn't like his background, but his record in office definitely proved himself. And so that's why I am more than willing to vote for him again uh, come yeah. to November. He just, he made me regret voting for him again with how he behaved after. I, yeah, I, the, like, the handling of the 2020. honestly left me, left just a bad taste in my mouth ever since. Like, honestly, I, I, I cannot deny it. Yeah, I get that. And despite his regrettable record, which that is very, not, very good record. Yeah, it's, it, and ultimately I just see that as, you know, no one's perfect uh, and it does give you some cause <laughs> <Certainly> for pause. <not. laughs> But I mean, yeah, he's the he's the the perfect case for no one's perfect, especially presidents. Um, but it's just one of those things where I hate to reduce it to the lesser of two evils, but it's just like I, you can't vote for Biden. Uh, and I think if you look at what RFK stands for, then he's not really who you want either, um, because he's soft on a lot of those social issues. I, while he'd be very good, I think in terms of you know economy and maybe leadership that way. He's going to be soft on a lot of these social issues again. So I, it's just one of those things where if it's if it's Trump, RFK, and Biden, then you either don't vote or you vote for Trump to me if you're, you know, in favor of traditional oh, you, conservative you take policies. You're taking away from RFK, man. You, you, you're, not, you're not an RFK believer, huh? No, not at all. Just like mm -hmm. I said, because of where he stands on a lot of the social issues. He's yeah. pro-choice. So I that that's... I hate to make it a one issue thing, but for me, so it, pro choice is a deal broker, deal breaker. Yeah, but I mean, it's one of those things where he he changed his rhetoric and promised that, so you had to take him at his word. But he got it done, so I, I don't hear the same rhetoric coming from RFK, and certainly not going to come from Biden. Yeah. So we'll see. That's fair. Um, it's yeah, definitely we'll one of those things where it's. I think it's like you said. It's his to lose. It's basically if Trump doesn't try to make it and take the bait about making it about 2020 again um, because he just needs to run on Biden's record in the four years. And then I think that's the ticket to Republicans winning big again and to getting back the presidency is just by harping on, you know, see what the last fours have been like, f past four years have been like. Do you want more of that or do you want what it was like before that? So I uh, kind of just let Biden's own record testify against him and when trump was in office let his record testify against him because the democrats are going to try really hard to make it about you know all these charges that have been brought against president trump and uh you know the 2020 election handling that so i think you can't get suckered into that so hopefully he doesn't but we'll see how it goes um and we'll see soon enough in come november indeed and God's in control. I mean, that's why. And I loved what you said earlier, where you were like, "Hey, we got to be prepared, but don't got to be worried." And and if the United States falls, like that's in His plan. You know, we're not in the Bible. I tell that to my students all the time. Like, the United States isn't yeah, mentioned absolutely. in the Bible. Um, so that's we're not the end all be all. And I think a lot of people treated us that way, and we treated ourselves that way for the longest time. And it's like, no. Um, and and God's still in control, regardless. Absolutely. Well, that gets us done with the hike, so we're finally to the summit and facing Rushmore. So, top U.S. presidents for Josh and me. Uh, obviously, we decided to make the first pilot episode about U.S. presidents because Rushmore, obviously, is uh, the top of 
four of the top U.S. presidents in history. Uh, and so we thought that that would be an appropriate discussion to begin our podcast that was so aptly named. So for uh, the two of us, we definitely have our four. We have not shared it with each other so that we can have authentic reactions to each other's picks. Uh, I have an idea of maybe someone that might be on Josh's list that uh, I may have some things to say on, uh, but we have not discussed this list. Um, and so I thought um, it'd be just fun. Have some honorable mentions. We obviously don't want to spend a lot of time on these, but just some of the one or two maybe that were just outside your top four that would have made the cut had we had a top five, but will not make the cut with our current f- format of Rushmore. So who's one or two that just missed the cut for you, Josh? Ooh, that just missed the cut. Okay, so before I say anything, though, I wanted to clarify, because there's this word here on uh, Mackay are using this document of, uh, just to keep us all on the same page, um, it says best U.S. presidents. So I just want to clarify, does that mean, like, objectively the best ones, or are we picking our personal favorites? Um, I think the wording we had there was best, but I was going off of more like, um, if we want to go with best, I think we can go with that, and there should be some criteria for that. Probably the most to achieve for uh, the country historic principles. So I think we'll run with the best for this episode. Um, So maybe not necessarily our personal phase, because that can obviously be very dangerous for history teachers, because there can be some very (laughs) niche reasons that we think that there are personal faves. Um, So... uh, with that in mind, obviously there are a few things that can be subjective in viewing and being seen as the best, uh, but I say we run with that and just th- what they accomplished for the country, their place in history uh, that would make them the top four best U.S. presidents for us. Okay. With maybe so, a little bit of favoritism mixed in there as okay. kind of the the swing factor, let's call okay, it. Okay, so then if that's the case, the one you're probably thinking of will not be on this list because okay. um, he is a personal favorite and more for the study purposes than for anything else. Very important president, like significant to crafting the presidency. And uh, just we'll make it clear for everybody. Um, because this isn't my favorites here, I'll just, I'll just mention it now. Um, Andrew Jackson is my favorite president. And everyone can fling their mud right now. Um, and the biggest reason why is because I just love studying him. It's not so much because of um, his policy or anything like that. Although I do think he had a very um, uh, compelling vision for the country and compelling vision of the presidency. And it did monarchical vision, you mean? What's that? <laughs> monarchical view, you mean? It's hey, so hey, you know, King Andrew. You know? <laughs> I mean, I could say that of some other presidents, too, but I, I just want to mention that now. I, I do not think he is one of the best presidents, not even close. He's just a personal favorite study. Interesting. Um, so Not even just close. Want to make that clear. No, no way, dude. There's so many others that are far more Really? Really? Hmm, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Interesting. I mean, there's still there's still maybe a, a argument that can be made that he he was very, very important um and shaping how our government works but that doesn't mean that he's the best i think because of that you know some some people are like almost immediately disqualified like i think nixon was an incredibly important president but he was certainly not one of our best ones um only president to resign so i'm not gonna throw him on this list trump too like trump i think very important president for the time that he was in office but certainly not the best based off of his rhetoric based off of his character um based off of his 
all caps Twitter posts, um, I guess tweets. I just they they don't use that word anymore, so I couldn't. Josh is not going to like my honorable mentions then. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, am I listing some of them? Okay, so honorable mentions then. Um, (sighs) Okay, so because it's not favorites, um, honorable mention would certainly go to. Am I giving one or two, or we go back and forth in honorable mentions real quick? Up to you. Yeah, you can go with your one or two, and then I can follow up, and then we'll get into the actual rankings. Okay, I'll throw two out. Um, so, um, I think I got to go with Dwight Eisenhower with an honorable mention. Um, I think he was hmm. a solid leader in a very prosperous time in America, but he helped us to retain the um, things that made America unique while also pushing us into the future and, and helping to craft that vision of, of what the rest of the 20th century would look like, um, helping us to... Um, transition away from world war ii while also um you know um dealing with some of the problems that came from that you know thinking like the korean war and stuff like that so like still strong leadership coming out of the war but then also um helping to push us past it and led to a very thriving nation under him and i don't think that he was insignificant in that i think a lot of people tend to write him off um because it was you know it was the it was the okay, everybody can breathe now after World War II um, time frame. And so that's more what people think of. Uh, but I do think he was very significant because of that. Doesn't quite make the best list, but he's a very, very good president and a very strong leader. Um, and I think that he, he had more impact than people give him credit for. Um, and then I'd also probably on that list throw in, you know, if I got to pick four other ones, and I'm going to put Teddy Roosevelt on that list too. Of the four that are on Rushmore, he's the one that I think should get swapped out with somebody else. And I'll mention who that is when we get there. Very significant president, absolutely. Very important. Uh, A vibrant president. I love how American, like capital A-M-E-R-I-C-A-N, Teddy Roosevelt is. And I think that he did a lot to um, um, benefit the country, but then also did some things I definitely disagree with and um, had some pride and other issues that kind of got in the way at the end of his life and um so he wasn't perfect but he really did he's one of those americans that like really captured the spirit of the country at that time and and took us into a new century and um was a significant leader absolutely so he'd be another honorable mention for me both good both very good um Honorable mention for me, uh, Josh was mentioning President Trump. President Trump would be an honorable mention for me. Uh, it's a little bit of recency bias. Um, but uh, the reason I would leave him off in terms of best is because of the way the presidency, his tenure ended. Um, I'd be curious to see if we got a Trump part two, uh, what his legacy would look like. Um, but the reason I would have him on an honorable mention list is because of how huge I view Roe v. Wade. Um, and overturning that as a national issue. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe with some recency bias, but I mean, Roe v. Wade has been something that has defined us since it came out, you know? And so uh, I know that there's been a lot longer to American history, and so that is maybe a little bit of a narrow view just to take, you know, a 50-year chunk. But when it's something that significant to where you're basically nationally sanctioning and then, you know, the rest of the world is kind of playing off of your your lead in terms of, you know, jet jet and streamlining it the way it was. 
Uh, I give them a lot of credit for there and for just appointing the, the judges that would get it overturned and for kind of reestablishing us to a place of national prominence that I think we've been starting to slip from and that we're starting to slip from again. So just some things there to think about uh, of where I'd kind of have him, but probably more in that honorable mention because he didn't uh, do as some significant things and because of, like I said, some of the, the personal issues uh, that he struggled with. Uh, I might throw in uh, Kennedy uh, a little bit myself, okay, but um, okay. he he probably too short of a presidency, I think, for one, just obviously oh, with him being assassinated. Um, but in terms of like providing the, the vision for the moon landing, obviously being something significant for our country um, and starting to navigate us, continuing to navigate us through uh, the issue with the communists uh, and going in the beginning uh, preludes of the, the Cold War as it started to accelerate um but i'd also leave him off just because of all again some personal issues and some political things to where he kind of messed up obviously bay of pigs being one of the most significant um presidential um kind of scandals uh that in terms of prominence but again recency um and then i would also say that i i would also echo uh kind of josh didn't say uh best for his but most favorite i would say jackson um, just because I think Jackson really, I don't want to say weaponized, but he, I think Jackson is the one responsible for beginning to make the executive branch yeah. the powerhouse that it, it became. And so that's why I would say um, if we were going to go with most significant, then I think Jackson has to be on this list. But again, uh, the reason I, why I would leave him off best is because um, you've got the Indian Removal Act, Trail of Tears, which was obviously... Um, a national tragedy, at least from where we're standing at right now. Yeah. Um, and then also kind of the way he went about things, trying to grab power and things. You know, you can you can see it as a, a dual-edged sword. You know, maybe it was good that the executive branch got a little bit stronger, but obviously some of the things that he took charge and tried to cause to existence, we would have a little bit of cause for pause again um, and just have some time and room for reflect. And then I was also going to mention... Uh, Teddy, uh, being obviously the quintessential American history of the Rough Riders, obviously, um, great founding of national parks, even though, again, that's a little murky just because of, um, the way that it was nationalized. But then I think what holds him out is, uh, his place in the progressive party. Um, and again, this is speaking through a conservative's eyes. Obviously, if you were across the aisle, you'd have different thoughts about what the best would com constitute. But for a conservative, definitely his place in terms of trying to make things more progressive, um, it was a little bit of cause for worry. So those be, you know, I think I threw out four honorable mentions for me. Yeah, so I I've matched like exactly now. what I want to throw in a couple too. I mean, go ahead. You can feel free to throw in <laughs> if you want. If you have anything to say about mine, we've got time, man. Yeah. No, no. I, I mean, I think you're you're uh, bringing out some interesting points. I, I think some of them I would very much disagree with, but that's fine. Um, I know there's like, I probably say I know there's a lot of them, but I'd probably say there's like six major presidents that like really push forward the executive branch, and Jackson's one of the bigger ones. It's like him, FDR, yeah, and then Wilson. Yeah, either Wilson or Roosevelt, because Teddy kind of opened the door for both, Wilson. And both, both, both Roosevelts, I would say probably both. Yeah, yeah. So and, and Wilson for sure. Um, and I'd actually throw Obama on that list as well. Um, I would agree. But yeah, so like very significant for sure in those ways. Um, but like best, 
best? Mm, man, I don't know. Um, if I had to throw a couple of others into the best, maybe category, I'm getting. I, I might be getting my rhetoric confused with most significant and best. I don't know. Best is such just to me a vague word. Because best that to me it's is one of those like, things. A, like st- like you know, like sturdy reputation. Like yeah, uh, hardly any blemishes on For their sure. record. You know. So like that's why I wouldn't even throw Jackson and Trump on there because to me it's like yeah you're right they're very the record, significant totally. but they yeah just their rhetoric alone kind of disqualifies them. Um, what about Coolidge then? Does that make that's you what a I was about to more... say? So Coolidge is an on- another honorable mention for me because he he understood yes. the idea. Of, uh, honestly, DeSantis like kind of strikes me as like a Coolidge figure, um, yes. who understands the significance of limited government, understands the significance of culture wars. You know, um, Coolidge, uh, a huge promoter of the dry America, um, and like understood his place you know and and yes. was one of the last presidents to be that way um, one of the and, last and, limited government presidents like yeah and off was, and just very much yeah let congress do their job and i'll do my job and nothing and more, measuredly nothing so than like he yes. had opportunities to take more power and he had opportunities to to override and he didn't take them like he he decidedly went against them so it wasn't like he was being um you know, uh, passive about it at all. It was just like, no, this is not what a president should be. So, like, I definitely throw Coolidge as an honorable mention. And then, um, shoot, I mean, maybe for another one, uh, Adams, Monroe. Maybe. If we're talking about upstanding character and. Maybe Madison. Maybe Madison. Madison. But I didn't. I don't know if I love Madison's presidency. I love Madison as the man. Yeah, Madison um, the man is Madison's presidency is pretty forgettable, but yeah. Madison the man was very much the embodiment of you know conservative government ideals and being the father of the Constitution and getting things done um, and having a good reputation and you know being a uh, for all what we can see God honoring man um, and just very much living a life that built the country up to what it was going to be, but in terms of being the leader and his presidency, kind of lackluster in that regard. Yeah. Um, shout out then to Kennedy, I guess, if I had to put on a fourth. Kennedy is... I was thinking, like, maybe Kennedy or... I like Truman. A lot of people don't like Truman. Um, but very significant figure, of course, using the atomic bomb. Um, mm-hmm. But I think Eisenhower kind of trumps him, so... Um, Kennedy, yeah. I think, is also a, a good shout out. Well, then it sounds like we should get into the actual top four, the actual Rushmore. And I think uh, based on what we are. All right. Josh wants me to lead off. I think Josh and I are going to basically based off of the rhetoric of best rather than favorite. uh, I'm afraid there's going to be a lot of overlap, but that's okay. So that we can have a lot of time (laughs) for discussion because I'm with Josh. uh, As you if you were listening closely, uh, uh, Teddy is the one president that it sounds like we would both leave off. Uh, of Rushmore, and I have a feeling that we're going to match at least on on the three, three of these. I have a feeling, <laughs> okay. and if not all four of these, so uh, we'll Probably. see. Um, so I'm just going to I'm just going to lead with the obvious one because I think it's going to be on both of our lists. In fact, I know it's going to be on both of our lists. Two of these are are surefire locks, and if they're not, then uh, I'm going to have to secretly find a new podcasting partner. Um, wow. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to lead off with Washington. I'm just going to lead off with Washington. Uh, there's no way I feel like you can do uh, best presence of Washington. Uh, yeah. The quintessential, the American Cincinnatus, the literal definition for a presidency, the first to do it, the 
possibly the best to do it um, and just guiding the nation through its infant stages, um, being a supreme leader, obviously getting that experience on the battlefield and then transitioning and transferring that to a government leadership uh, and how he navigated several national and foreign crises. Um, and he did it so masterfully um, while not expanding his power really and he did exactly what was limited in the government now he had it working in his advantage that the states would not probably have gone along because of the era that we were in they would not have responded favorably to an aggressive presidency um but he just when you look at him he was just very humble in his presidency he didn't really want the second term uh because he was content to resign and he thought he'd done his job but people were so in love with him uh, that he was, he wanted to, you know, satisfy people and he didn't, because again, because of the man he was, he didn't really want to disappoint anyone. And so he came back for that second term, uh, even the first term, you could say, you know, no real presidential aspirations, but to everyone in the era that he was living in, who else was going to do it? You know, if not Washington, then who? So he was the obvious choice. Um, and then, like I said, just to to work through that presidency, the first infancy, and just to do it so masterfully, uh, so humbly. Uh, obviously, there's a lot more than just his presidency that goes into us evaluating him as a man, um, seeing him lead through the Revolutionary War, but just a God-honoring man, and I think just kind of set the tone and the definition for what it meant to be president and how to lead. Absolutely. Um, and I, I definitely reflect that. Washington is absolutely on my list. Um, he is the reason that the country's got itself to work in the first place. Like he's the man who should have been and could have been king. Like he, he had exactly. that opportunity. Yep. It was in front of him. He could have taken it. Everyone would have been for it. They would have crowned him, you know? And, yes. and he was not, he was the man that God had for that time because he was the one who would not take that and who understood that there was a higher calling, that there was a higher purpose, that there was ideals beyond his limited lifespan um, that were worth investing in and, and worth living out. And, and he did that masterfully and begrudgingly the entire time. You know, he, yes. he, he lived most of his life serving his country and God saw fit to take him very quickly after uh, he had finished out his second term. And um, he, you're right. I think on all those fronts, you know, he navigated foreign policy when our, our country was just a tiny little baby. Like we had a lot of new things that were happening and he was able to navigate foreign policy with a, with a British empire that had a chip on their soldier shoulder, excuse me, against us. Um, and the French that were growing more and more radical. And, um, he, he somehow struck some middle way, um, keeping us out of the conflict. And then he also, um, helped to get us and honestly, like beautifully again, kind of struck a balance between like, how do we, cause the problem was the president wasn't a thing before. Like, how do we get an executive? How do we get a leader? who's not going to uh, overstep, who's not going to um, take more power, and eventually, of course, that does happen, um, but who will be limited while also still being strong? Like, how do you how do you strike that balance? And he did it. Like, he, he, he used the executive branch the way it was intended to, and he wielded the power when he needed to, but then he also was very clear about, you know what, no. Um, when, when I run again, I want to I have a vote. Um, after my second term, I'm done. I am not going to pass this on to my son. I'm not going to make sure that the next person in my party is the one that wins. I'm going to hand sure. the reins over yep. to the people and the people will decide. And they voted for obviously his successor because it was George Washington. 
Um, but he he let the different structures of democracy play out, and and to have that that like opportunity to to take advantage and to go for power when so many other men so many honestly weaker men uh who wielded great power in history would have jumped on that opportunity washington said no um and and showed the the strength of his character and the humility that he brought to pretty much every aspect of his life and did he have problems yeah i mean each person in their time has has issues and and problems and, and nobody's perfect um but he was pretty pretty close he was pretty close. So definitely yeah. shout out to him. If, if I have to have throw out the, another name here. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, yeah, I was just going to add on top of him. Uh, just what, you know, the legend of the cherry tree that added to his whole persona of the, you know, the purity of character. Um, and then also the great scene in Valley Forge that's been um, mythified, you know, and, you know, yeah. romanticized in painting just as a, the Christian side, lest we neglect that. Uh, and then also the president who inserted the so help me God uh, into the presidential oath, if I remember correctly, um, yep, yep, yep. and wanting to have the Bible there. Um, and so just a presidency that was more than just doing things the right way as we see it in our current country in terms of like being president. He was a moral man, a God honoring man, a God fearing man who just transitioned and took all of those principles. Like Josh said, not a perfect man. No man is perfect that has ever lived except for Christ. Um, but he did it to the best of his ability um, and really exemplified a lot of the character traits that you want to see uh, as a Christian that is concerned with their country. And he, he did it probably the best of any president that has ever been, if we're being honest, because he yeah. just really did define what it meant to be president and also their early respects defined really what it meant to be a Christian politician on top of that. So Washington easily and and also if you're tracking we're not ranking these so washington is not necessarily when we since we're just talking about him first he's not by any means our fourth and you're hearing these glowing terms and you're thinking why are they talking about washington first because that usually means that they're in the fourth rank there's no uh there are no rankings with the rushmore system this is just our top four in no particular order at least for this episode and so washington would definitely be unequivocally one of the four rushmore for both josh and i and i yep. was pretty confident that josh and i are both going to have washington as one of our four as i am pretty confident uh of the next person but i'm gonna let i'm gonna let josh go there's another person on this list that i'm pretty confident is going to come up so we'll see if josh wants to lead with him next but i'm gonna kick it over to you josh who's who's the next one that you would like to talk about oh man do i go for the other obvious one or do i throw out another um less obvious although when we say best it's it's really hard to compete with that you know i'm, I'm definitely not going to be throwing out polk or tyler or <laughs> you know um but polk, you go polk for it man you get job. you get to decide yeah. i'm kicking it to you so you're right you're right you're right, you're right. can um, go obvious or you can go the one that you think might be less obvious but we may still share you know, I think we do share them. I, I honestly am going to be shocked if we don't. So I don't think you're going to be surprised by any of these. So, But I'm not going to go with the most obvious one. I'm going to go with good old number three. I'm going to go with TJ, man. Thomas Jefferson. Um, one of the best U.S. presidents. One of the ones that truly understood. I, I, I say truly understood. I think a lot of them did. Um, but even understood it better than Washington. And understood it better than um, maybe even the rest of the presidents combined. I don't know. I, I, that might be hard to, to say 
directly like when you that, say understood what are you what are you saying there he understood. understood the potential of it he understood where it needed to be limited um and he understood like how to be all of the things that a president needed to be um yes. and he wasn't okay. ever perfect absolutely not by the end of his second term especially and this is the, the truth of all presidents really is that they they grow in are they wane in popularity as they go um and he he did suffer from that for sure um, but he he captured that spirit of independence, a, a man who was very much states' rights and who understood the the true importance of that. I don't think Washington really cared for that sort of stuff, so I don't know how much that like really resonated mm-hmm. deep in his mind. I think he was just a natural-born leader, and so he was able to be that when he needed to be. Um, but Jefferson, I think, understood it all. Like He understood the philosophy of what the system was on a deeper level than pretty much anyone else other than maybe you could say Madison. Um, and he, he gave us half of the country too i mean it was his decision and 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 that's where i say like he made he made a decision that was outside of what the powers of the president were explicitly stated in the constitution but um but he he understood that it was for the betterment of the entire country that it was for uh the the net positive of every american and he did that one single moment and it was a it was a it wasn't split second, but it was close to in the moment of a decision that he made. Um, he made it as with close confidence. to split second for that era. It could be yes, 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 and and Without he did it with like communication with utmost confidence because he he just he yes. knew he knew everything about like why this country was the way it was, uh, what the future and the and the potential of the country was. That's something that I love about all the founding fathers, Thomas Jefferson included in that, but uh, almost even more than any of the others. Like he understood that he was making history. Like he understood that like he was he was a player in a master plan. Like he was he was one small part in what could be a glorious future. And he played his part to perfection in that moment um and like he just he got it man like he like even in the way that he wrote like he wrote with an understanding of like people are gonna study this and read this in the future and so i gotta write this as best as i possibly can like every single time you know um Mm -hmm. and and that's how he approached the presidency and so because of that i gotta say uh he he's still to this day uh one of our best presidents and very hard to compete i i almost would put him if i had to rank them above george um, I probably wouldn't just because of that first go around some of the traditions that he established, you know, two term limit, um, the so help me God, the um, and obviously all the other cool stuff he did. I mean, Thomas Jefferson didn't do very many cool things um, other than write the declaration. But like, you know, Washington was like, you know, fighting the British and, and crossing the Delaware and so on and so forth. Um but he's pretty close, man. And and a lot of people don't, I don't think, understand that about him. Or at least, like, weren't taught it well enough in class back in the day. Um, because he really did. Um, he, he, he changed America almost completely for the positive. Other than the Embargo Act at the very end of his presidency. Uh, which was a very poor miscalculation on his part. Um, or a significant miscalculation. Um, do you agree with that? Would you say he's on your list too? He is on my list. He was the one who, uh, when I was pondering, I had three that I was pretty dead set on. Uh, and so I was looking for 
who I wanted to include in the fourth. So maybe not quite as high up in terms of passing Washington for me as he sounds like he might be for you. Um, but the more I just analyze it as we were looking and thinking about best, you just can't you just can't leave off Jefferson if you're talking about legacy just because of what Josh said with the Louisiana purchase, taking that from Napoleon, um, you know, increasing the United States by almost double of what it was at the time when he got it. I'm pretty sure almost like tripled it, actually, almost, if you look yeah. at what we what we gathered um, from what we got out of it. Um, Certainly basically settled the, at the time, yeah. Exactly what was out of settled. I mean, basically, you know, if you live anywhere east of, or excuse me, not east, but west of the Appalachians, obviously Tennessee and Kentucky were starting to be settled this time, and Indiana a little bit too. But if you were pre- for the predominant amount, if you were anywhere in between, if you live currently anywhere in between the Rockies and the Appalachians, you know, you can thank Jefferson basically, you know, minus Texas. Uh, and that would be later on. But like the majority of those states that we currently have, you can thank Jefferson for securing the Louisiana Purchase so quickly because he knew it was a, a once-in-a-lifetime deal, uh, you know, for $15 million, basically. You know, that's mind-blowing to us, you know, to secure that much land for $15 million and in increasing the size of your country. Um, and then you add on his extra stuff that was done when he was not president, you know, writing the Declaration of Independence, basically the summarizing document for our country, the thought behind our country actually breaking away and being free and for starting in the first place when you think about it. Um, He's obviously significant in that fact. And then just like Josh said, just balancing all the things, limited, limited government, you know, obviously he was much more of a strict constructionist uh, to get into the nitty gritty, you know, terms uh, in terms of, you know, exactly what was written in the constitution. That's what Jefferson was going to adhere to. But like Josh said, obviously the Louisiana purchase lie outside those boundaries. So he struck a good balance of knowing where he could give and where he needed to remain faithful to the constitution uh, and the things that had set up that country, if it was going to be great and if the country was going to remain stabilized and cohesive together. Um, The one thing that gives me cause for pause uh, and he's much more, line for his personal life um so that's one thing that is a little bit as a christian as a critique against him you know being more of a deist uh, and not a dedicated christian and you know regardless of some of the facts you know his his relations with his slaves you know um being another kind of a, a, a mark against him you know but that that's a lot of things that I think are largely blown out of proportion for who he was. Um, But you do need to view that if you're going to see the man accurately. But as a president, pure and through, then definitely one of the greats, I think, for sure, deserving to be on the Rushmore of of best. And so deserving to be on the actual Rushmore in the United States, for sure. I definitely don't, like, factor in some of the personal stuff enough, I think, with him. Um, yeah, because if you I do, then don't. that's that was why he almost didn't make the list for me is because I was taking it full rounded of them as the person, um, and I and and not saying that either one of us did it wrong or whatever. But I definitely, when I was ranking, yeah. I was viewing their personal lives as like one of my criteria for best. Um, yeah. They're seeing it through a Christian historian's eyes. How would I evaluate them? But I think still. That despite those shortcomings, he was used by God, obviously, to, uh, I mean, the declaration was huge, uh, and then just just being able to grow the country for sure, and so, again, not a perfect man, Uh, and it is honestly one of those things where it actually, it is sad that he was a deist, you know, in, in such a time where he was surrounded by great men, but I mean, also was Ben Franklin, so it's one of those things where, um... 
you just take it with a grain of salt. Although I would say, and not to get on the route trail, but you'd see Brett Franklin, and Franklin had seemingly more respect for Christianity and God than Jefferson did even. Jefferson was kind of your more hard-lined deist in terms of, you know, very much hands-off, God left us alone. Which, like I said, Franklin adhered to too, but you look at some of the things that Franklin said and you, you kind of scratch your head about Benjamin Franklin really was a deist and he said all these things. Yeah. Um, but that was definitely something that was prominent in my ranking and not not something that I would uh, hold against you if that was something that you were not necessarily factoring in. I should have a little bit more. I should have. Franklin had all those bodies in his basement too. Yeah, yeah. Benjamin Franklin, a man of science, but yep, definitely, (laughs) definitely some interesting stories with Benjamin Franklin. All of them, dude. All of them. Like you can bring up Washington stuff. Like uh, you know, there was a that that recent comedian mentioning like all his teeth and stuff. Like you know, like so like yeah. No, no way we can we say that these men are perfect or, or. um the the perfect poster child for christianity in any anyway um but very significant and jefferson just he understood states rights he understood federal government like and the limitations and the power of it he understood the revolution itself and and the principles so like he just because of that like embodied so much of what the original intent of the country was and so i i still tip my hat to him for sure Okay, well then I'm going to move us. So there's two, and Josh and I have so far not disagreed, uh, and I don't think we're going to disagree yet either because I'm going to knock off the other major one that I think is the super obvious that both of us have so we can leave a little bit of of suspense to see if we actually agree all the way across the board, Josh and I. So I'm going to knock out the other major one and go with number three, Abraham Lincoln. Um, The president who got us through a civil war, the president who uh, made the issue uh, about slavery and abolished probably the other major, probably the worst blight, the worst institution in American history, if you look at it, in slavery, uh, and was instrumental in eliminating slavery uh, and trying to hold the country together. Obviously, Lincoln, uh, if you study his writings, Lincoln never really wanted the war. I don't think many people did really want a war. Um, but he was willing to go to that length to keep the country together because he knew that uh, a broken country would not be able to stand, and he knew that that was not, uh, it was not the American ideal. It was not something that should exist, and he was standing on the moral high ground of, you know, this was something that the southern states were refusing to get right, um, and something that, unfortunately, the founders had left to his time, and so uh, he made sure that it was going to be dealt with, and he decided to make it an issue, uh, and probably, and, and I'm blowing it a little bit out of proportion, because Lincoln really didn't make it an issue until the war got going on. It was more the southern states' viewing of him as a candidate, and when they realized that the North was going to elect him, they kind of saw the handwriting on the wall in terms of Lincoln being that abolitionist candidate, at least in their eyes. But uh, a president that got us through probably the lowest moment in our history uh, and helped to abolish the worst institution in our nation's history. So Lincoln is pretty high up there for me um, in terms of top, top best presidents and being able to navigate us through um, and just taking a lot of his inspiration from biblical thought um, and just making sure that he stood uprightly there. Um, And also would have been interesting to have seen Josh Lorzer and I were talking about this last end of last semester because uh, our curriculum wraps up 
with the Civil War and Reconstruction, and it's really an interesting study. If Lincoln had not been assassinated, would would um, interracial relations have looked a little bit better more quickly? Would the civil rights issue have had to wait until the 60s to get resolved? You know, we'll never know because Lincoln wasn't there to manage Reconstruction. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of negative things came out of Reconstruction, you know, Jim Crow laws uh, and just a lot of hard feelings and bitter thoughts of the North towards the South uh, and holding grudges. So rather than having Lincoln's vision of healing the wounds of a country and binding them back together so that they could be unified and whole again, um, he was unfortunately cut short and, you know, only God knows why he allowed that to happen. Um, but it would have been interesting to have seen had his presidency been able to be carried out for his second term, what the country would have looked like. So Abraham Lincoln for three for me. Love it. Love it. Yeah, I um, would absolutely agree. Uh, Got to definitely tip my hat to Lincoln, my top hat. Um, and Our top he, hat, indeed. Yeah, I, and I, I told every single thing, just like we said with the other ones, I totally agree. Um, so crucial of a moment. So much did our country need a leader like would, him. Would you agree that it was the lowest moment in American history? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that was the lowest issue, although slavery obviously is very close. I'd say abortion and slavery are neck and neck um, for yeah, different I, reasons. I, for different reasons, yeah. I, I Saying that, it, it definitely was one of those things with Roe v. Wade, you know, the murder of right. the unborn um, and slavery. They're, they're probably on the same level in morality, but for different reasons, like you said. So I... I guess I was thinking in terms of like a, a national thing, but I mean, yeah. you even see how abortion is. It's it's just it's hard because I maybe that's unfair, but like slavery is a physical thing. You see it, and that doesn't make the unborn child any less real because they are, and we definitely believe that. But like slavery was like a a visible evil that like you could see in a day to day life that society and culture was like built upon. As an institution, I don't know. That's going to make it sound like I'm still trying to justify slavery as worse than abortion, but you're absolutely right. I think you can go co-equal. It's just one of those things where maybe I, th I think in our minds we elevate it because we actually did go to war over it. Whereas, you know, Roe v. Wade, yeah, yeah. we went through the political structures rather than actually going to war. So maybe that's what kind of accentuates it in my mind. But you're definitely right. Bo both are, both are co-equal, but for different reasons. Yeah, and I think Lincoln actually has that over the other two that we've mentioned already. Um, is that he had a moral core to him, and he's one of those few presidents that, like, he reflected the 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 truly moral core of the country at the time, and the moral like potential of the country too, like what what the the goodness of America ought to mean, and and then he helped us to realize that, and that's something that America should be, and it's something that we've lost for some time now but for the longest time it was it's the um is it the tocqueville quote uh, america is great because america is good um and i think that's I think tocqueville. That, yeah and, and i think lincoln like he's one of the like more than jefferson and washington although washington in particular very moral man um i think he he very much reflected like what the morals of the countries of the country ought to be and he helped us to realize that yeah. with some political savvy, a very politically savvy man. Like you cannot discount that for Lincoln. He Absolutely. he understood like his rhetoric. He needed to be very careful with at the time. And I think a lot of people discount some of the things that he was planning and preparing because he went for it when he had the opportunity. Like to me, that tells me he always had in his heart the intent to eradicate all of slavery if it were a possibility. 
but he was looking at the situation at the time, and so he wasn't always outright saying that. He was instead pushing for, okay, let's not let it expand. And a lot of people will kind of hit him with that and go, aha, you did uh, actually want slavery to continue. Um, and I don't think that was the case. I think he just he understood that he needed to be careful about what he said um, and at what he revealed. And even in that, he was pushing it, and that's why it led to war. Although, honestly, it could have been any anti-slavery candidate, and I'm grateful that it was Lincoln, of all of them, um, because, honestly, it, it, it would have inevitably happened one way or the other. Like, it was obvious that our country was heading towards that um, as, as its uh, eventual conflict, and I think he, he was the right man at that time um, and helped us to hold together, and, and his Gettysburg Address so perfectly encapsulates, like, Here's where we were. Here's where we started. Here's here's where we are right now. It's a tough time. Like it's 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 a really really dark day, but the dawn is is coming. You know, um, and 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 we have so much of the future to look forward to, and um, so much that we can unify behind. And that original vision is still here with us. So let's let's look to the future now, and let's let's join hand and American hand, and and put aside these past grievances and see that like this is all going to be for good. And I. I very much like appreciate him for being there in that moment and for being willing to give it all. Um, and I don't want to be sacrilegious, but he he was taken abruptly in the moment, um, but with and, and with a lot of negativity that came from that, um, but with a providential intent. Um, just like and and again, I'm not trying to be sacrilegious here at all, but you know, um, people can always give conjecture about what would happen if Christ had continued on, you know, in his in his ministry, and it had not been crucified, and what may have happened. But no, that was that was a part of it, and that was a, a very crucial moment. And and again, I'm, I'm maybe even making the comparison is is a bad idea at all. Um, but to I me, hear, there's like I this, hear your heart behind it. Yeah, though. Yeah, yeah, because because Lincoln question like, of what could have been. Yeah, there's there is that question. That, that's really what I'm trying to get at, is is of, of what could have been, and we don't know because that's not what happened. Um, and and a lot of bad stuff did occur, um, but it ended up he was the guy that we needed in that moment, you know, and yep. and he was the one that did the Emancipation Proclamation. You know, I don't know if another Republican president would have done that. Um, I just don't know. And but he's the one that that had the the conviction to do it and then to make it about that and then to then set us up for that to get removed and yes we we because of his death went through an awful reconstruction in the south um but that's that's to me again parallel to the persecution of the christians before they eventually succeeded in um you know taking over europe (laughs) um looking back at ancient times but um lincoln Lincoln set us up for a brighter future. He did. Um, and and he, he had his life taken. But even in that, like it, it made the country like look at this whole thing much more seriously than they would have otherwise, I think. And, and it also, I think, helped us to come back together a little bit because the South was obviously in mourning, and now the North was too. And, and now we, we all decided, let's just pick up the pieces. Let's move forward. You know, so I think it, it did... Even in even in its its difficulty, produced some good in that respect, and 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 still a lot of tough stuff. But um, he helped to put us onto the onto the path that we we then went on and um, into a very bright future. So and, and obviously, still a lot of problems. <laughs> but I, I I love Lincoln. 
Yep, definitely one of the greats, um, and deservedly on this list of greatest. And then I'm going to kick it to you, Josh, to see if we go a perfect four for four. So I'm curious to see uh, who Josh has at his four spot. So, Josh, you want to finish it up with us, and then we'll see if we match up, and I'll either just be adding, or I will have a different person from you. Okay. Um, well, of these top four objectively best presidents, it's it's hard to say. It's hard to say, because I think those three are so easy shoe-ins that then it's like, oh, man, then who's the fourth? And obviously, Ooh. Teddy's on the actual Mount Rushmore, probably, because yes. he wanted to be. Um but like who is it (sighs) well you know i have to say william howard taft no i'm just kidding um the man uh, who couldn't get out of his own baptist yeah (laughs) yeah baptist no 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 Uh, ronald reagan is i gotta say ronald reagan we're four for Um, four okay okay and i i would have i'll just lead it off and and i'm not i'm not gonna surprise anyone we're we're four for four my even though you were bad-mouthing him earlier I was not bad mouthing. Was just maybe making an uninformed comparison. Sure, sure. No, no, no. And it, I don't. I wouldn't say uninformed. I understood what you were going for with that. But yeah, um, no, my father would disown Reagan... me if Reagan was not on four, top four best presidents. So <laughs> yeah. Reagan was an and automatic shoe in. But let's actually Reagan... discuss why. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and he 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 had so many haters and detractors, and there were a lot of people that looked at him almost like this. I don't know. His detractors looked at him as like this antichrist figure where he he said the yes, things that you wanted to weird. hear but then was this demonic presence behind that and it's it's strange because there's no real true evidence to that like and to see the effects now backing looking back in history it's like no I think he just genuinely was a great guy who had a wonderful vision of of again kind of America's potential what it what it had been um, kind of like a Lincoln figure where it's like no this is where our original intent came from in the founding and in Reagan's case this is what the country was at the turn of the century and, and how much hope and, and, and moral focus and and economic strength it had and this is Absolutely. what we lost but now we can still have it um and he he was again right then at that moment where and i don't know if it, it was nearly as crucial of a time as like a lincoln or a washington um but it was crucial because he made it crucial in and pushing us to the end of the cold war and, and really helping to dismantle the soviet union slowly but surely in his uh war of i don't know what you call it attrition or maybe that's the wrong word but um of of uh the success at the very least like he, he was very it was successful it was an economical war elbowing them out of the economic yeah, side yeah, yeah. and just kind of letting them Letting them die on the vine of their own economics, That's right. and then That's right. not bailing them out like prior presidents had probably done by engaging Brilliant. in business yes. with them. Yes, and that was that in and of itself, and then also uh, strength. You know, uh, the joke I always make is like uh, Teddy Roosevelt said, "Speak softly and carry a big stick," and Ronald Reagan said, "Talk loudly and shoot a bazooka." Like he was just like, "Hey, you mess with us, <laughs> you're gonna feel it." Like we're not, we yeah. are the number one power in the world and yes we ought to be and we ought to be because we are also morally good so he like he married those two things where he brought yes he brought the strength of america back but then he also was doing his best to bring the goodness of america back too which is what we really needed at that time and the conservative surge that came from the 80s gave us the 
Pax Americana of the 90s and the aughts, where we went into so much prosperity, unbeknownst to mankind, honestly, I feel like, up until that point. And Reagan's not the only reason why, but he's a huge reason why. He really is. Um, and 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 he, he deserves the credit for that. And, and just a, a vibrant personality, a warm man who cared about people, and you could tell um hilarious to boot so funny like that's something that i think him and trump um definitely relate on and and trump too he he very much tries to invoke a reagan sense um and he's he's just he's not that but um he he definitely goes for that uh, even to the point of literally bringing back the idea of make america great again which was a reagan slogan um and um yeah, I think Reagan just at this time when the United States was facing uh, a foe that did seem like it was uh, doing a lot of damage to not only us but to the world at large, and um, who a lot of people were concerned about, and and had after a very weak presidency, even more concerns about America showing itself as weak, and he stepped in and and um, was was true to his word, uh, was up front with the countries uh, of the world and was up front with the American people and and then pushed for cultural goodness as well, limiting abortion as much as he possibly could, pushing education as much as he possibly could. That was what he wanted to have as his like crown jewel was like, no, America's education has slipped so so intensely in the last couple decades. Why don't we go back to being the most literate nation, the the leading nation that gives us the foremost scientists, the foremost uh, mechanics and all that stuff that we had and now we've lost. And um, he saw what we were. He saw uh, what we could be. And, and he helped us to then, he, he pointed the arrow in the right direction and he let it fly. And we did good. We did good for a good amount of time after him. And, and I do think a lot of the credit does go to Reagan. Absolutely. Um Hit, hit all of the, the points that I'd agree on, you know, the iconic moments, you know, Mr. Gorbachev tear down this wall, you know, obviously bringing down communism, uh, finally, and just having it ultimately crumble under his presidency uh, to where it would, you know, not, I guess, finally crumble under his presidency, but basically the, the last, the death knoll was being given out during his presidency, and then they would officially fall in, uh, I think, what, 91, right, when the Soviet Union would officially collapse, um, and you know, he, he's responsible for that. My dad always tells a story, you know, you knew he was going to be an amazing president, um, because he, his contrast with Carter, you know, you had the, the, the hostage crisis going on in Iran. Uh, I believe it was Iran. Um, going to be fuzzy on yes. that a little bit, but I'm pretty sure it was Iran, the hostage yeah, crisis, you know, that gone on for nearly what, a, a year, almost maybe two years Over. that had gone on. Yeah. It was like 444 days or something like that? Yeah, it was something crazy. And the fact that it had gone on is just a sign of how weak uh, America had become and getting pushed around like that to where this, you know, not even this major superpower is bullying America and um, holding American citizens hostage. And, you know, it gets resolved as soon as Reagan walks through the the, into the Oval Office. Uh, And it's, it's basically done and dusted because. Reagan said, when I'm in presidency, you know, when I get the presidency, you know, you're you're going to get what's coming to you kind of deal. It'll be a different way of handling. And so it was quickly resolved. And then, you know, obviously meeting the Soviets and not letting them grow any further, you know, and stopping the spread of communism, you know, that a lot of 
prior presidents, unfortunately, had not either been able to uh, with their policies or they were, you know, very soft on communism with their policies. And so uh, Reagan sought for the evil that it was. And I think you aptly said, you know, pairing the moral equivalency of, you know, America as a strong power and as the moral arbiter uh, of the world stage um, and being setting the tone for, you know, what was right in terms of a, a moral democracy and restoring a lot of people's faith in America, I think, uh, obviously revitalizing um, the economy. And just like you said, setting up, he, he did kind of the dirty work so that we could see the economic boom that we did in the 90s um, once, you know, communism had been dealt with. And you didn't see that in Macy, maybe directly as much under his presidency because he was still busy dealing with communism directly. And then that set up his, his, um, his successors uh, to do well on the economic front because he had really taken care of the international front. Uh, and restoring us to a place of prominence and, you know, kind of setting the standard uh, for America as a strong uh, military and as for a world superpower, kind of what they'd started to fall in. And I yeah. think we're seeing kind of the decline again. And I think you made a good comparison, you know, while missing a lot of the same beats, you know, Trump tried to definitely play off of a lot of that popularity. And in a lot of ways, you know, it was very similar to Reagan in terms of like background, oh, yeah. you know, former Democrat leaning. I mean, Reagan was, you know, your Democrat governor in California, Switches parties, um, you know, for whatever thing. reason. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, I think a lot of the things is you. He saw, you know, the he saw where his party was going and realized that that was not the right direction, and so he swapped appropriately at the right time, um, and obviously did a lot of good. And so I think Trump, obviously, in some measure respects, tried to play a similar beat um, and trying to do that. But you know, obviously, Reagan's one of a kind, uh, and no one could. Could match him and just so charismatic, such a kind man. Uh, you know, it was terrible to see the way he uh, ended, you know, with um, I think dementia was what ultimately got him, right? Dementia or mm. Alzheimer's eventually. Um, but a, a great man nonetheless. Uh, and another example of where I think you also made the comparison, very similar to Lincoln, uh, of the right man for the right time for the right job. Uh, and he was definitely necessary as uh, one of our top four best presidents as we'd have. Yeah. Largest tax cut in American history. Yeah. Um, I'd say probably between him and Trump, I think the most charisma of any presidents. And Def I'd I don't say know so. which of them is better. Um, but they're both like, that's one of the things that Trump definitely has is like that charisma that Reagan had. And yes. that, that total well, the iconic stage presence. I I don't know if you remember, but I, I will never fail to laugh. I can't remember which speech it is, but the one where the balloon pops and he literally pauses oh, mid-speech after, you <laughs> yeah. know, and he just says, miss me, because he's literally able to laugh about a very serious moment, you know, and that's another thing that we miss. You know, a president that literally was almost killed in the line of service, you know, yeah, and, and almost assassinated, uh, but, you know, and just being able to maintain that jovial nature to where, you know, even... Uh, something so serious he's able to make light of and turn into a joke. And that's just kind of the, the man that he was in terms of being a charismatic individual and entertainer. And that you can probably attribute that to uh, his years in Hollywood and being an actor and just having that rapport with people and being able to connect at a at a personal level and just making him uh, the larger-than-life figure than, that he was. Yeah, and a man who, who um, very much understood the truth like of the world. Like, he... 
he had aged with wisdom, which is, you know, most, most people gain wisdom as they get older. Um, and he, as a younger person, was, uh, you know, hip with communism, thought it was the trendy new thing. And as he got older, he understood, no, no, this is a, this is a deeply moral evil. This is something that is heinous to its core. Um, and was able to be upfront with himself and honest with himself and say, no, this is, this is wrong. And that's something that he understood about a lot of other policies of like, no, you know, limited government is valuable and, and, um, laissez-faire economics can be, uh, beneficial and we don't have to look at capitalism as a, as a just lump evil. Um, and he called abortion the evil that it was. So he just had this clarity on things and he wasn't afraid to say it. He wasn't afraid to, uh, be, be the politician, um, who was frank while also because of his his natural ability um making those things make sense to others like he wasn't that's the other thing that trump doesn't do is trump trump in flames as he says the things that maybe in some cases are true whereas reagan would calm people in fact he would even calm opponents like there's there's the moment in his second uh campaign where uh they bring up the situation of age and he turns it on the moderator and on his opponent and makes his opponent laugh like uh, he just he just had that warmth to him and this this inviting nature and that's why people saw him as so dangerous because he did invite you in and then he also gave you the truth and um just like a a great grandfather would <laughs> you know like yeah. show the love it's the grace with the truth you know it's the love with the truth that the bible gives us and and he did exemplify that um he really did and um he he saw that cl- he had that clarity just like i said with lincoln and um he's one of those presidents that's like that while also still delivering uh, great strength and again wielding the united states and the federal government and the power that it was and what it had become and the the responsibility that comes with that to to great effect and um every single moment like there was no direct war that he was involved in while he was in office um but he he across the entire world stage played each moment to its best political end where uh he on some cases did fire on troops or in some cases he he negotiated with iran in some cases he shut down the soviet union in other cases he worked with them so like you know it was kind of like he understood when it was okay to to coordinate and be the politician but then he understood where the line was and and he drew that line in the sand and made it nice and clear to not only the world but to americans that like this is important this line is important and and we are going to stand by our word and not get pushed around and um he he led us into a very vibrant and i i I genuinely believe uh, a lot of it does come to him a very vibrant time in our country where um we reached reached a peak and 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 we're on the other end of that unfortunately (laughs) back in the valley yeah on some level and 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 trump i think was kind of a reinvigoration and we'll see and i'm I'm, dude if he wins like the fact that he is both 45th and 47th president is totally gonna go straight to his head like that's two that's messed up um but also the next grover cleveland yeah dude yeah he would love that (laughs) so we'll see we'll see what happens we'll see we can only hope well, that has been uh, our Rushmore of Best Presidents. Uh, we hope that that causes you to think, you know, go ahead and create your own Rushmore list of Best Presidents. Uh, you know, maybe you want to put your own twist, uh, and then maybe in the future we'll do our favorite presidents on top of, you know, just what we think of the criteria of the best. But we try to limit it. Uh, obviously, we these are all four that I think Josh and I would agree on. 
that we do, uh, in some respects, these would be on our list of, of favorites. Maybe not the, the Rushmore of favorites, but these definitely would be among the favorites as well as the best. But we kind of tried to stick it to with their legacy, what they did for America, uh, and their place in history and kind of uh, evaluating that as the best. So we hope that encourages you. Um, that's kind of our goal with this podcast is just to get y'all talking out there. And we appreciate you taking the time to listen. Um, and we look forward to continuing this on. So uh, if you disagree with our list in any way, you know, uh, feel free to carve your own stone, carve your own face out of the mountain and get your own Rushmore, okay? <laughs> but Josh and I managed to line up on all four of these. Uh, I can guarantee you from our time together that we will not always line up. That will not always be the case. But uh, just for this particular topic, Josh and I happen to uh, measure up in all regards. So uh, we appreciate your time. Josh, do you have any closing remarks for us? Yeah, no, I I enjoyed it. Thank you for uh, letting me be a part of this. And I have uh, high hopes for the future of the podcast. Um, I think now that we've done like objectively best, I think we could do objectively worst presidents. That'd be a fun conversation. Yeah, that'll be another one Um, at some point in the future. Yeah, um, so we'll we'll see. There's a lot of things to uh, mine when it comes to a list type podcast, and Absolutely. I guess the only thing I would mention is: is there a way for people to contact us? I don't know. You if know, uh, in the future, we are going to have a way for people to contact us. Right now, okay. there's not a way directly set up, um, but I will in future podcasts. We will have a, a mailbag section likely. So if you uh, all out there listening have any questions you want to ask us, you know, either related to what uh, the previous week's subject was or just anything in, in general that you're interested in asking us, you'll have that opportunity. I uh, don't quite have it set up there uh, as we're still working out a few things, but feel free to reach out to Josh or I personally. Um, and we would love to interact with you all Uh, spread the word obviously Josh and I can't do this without uh, all you out there listening Um, and we look forward to this podcast growing and in the future we will have a lot more segments uh, where well maybe not a lot more segments but we will have a segment where there's an opportunity for us to engage with you all uh, who take the time to listen for sure Um, but as of right now we don't quite have that set up but in the very near future we will have that so We do appreciate you taking the time to listen. Uh, We will be back with you in the near future on the next episode of Rushmore. Be blessed, take care, and thanks again for listening. See you guys.